Join our global community of travel lovers at zerototravel.com. Zero to Travel Audio Adventures presents Trekking Nepal, episode 16, Bhaktapur. In this episode, after two weeks of trekking in the Himalayan mountains, we arrive back in Kathmandu. We also check out Pokhara and stay in a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Just about to finish lunch. We just finished lunch in Sotikola, and this is going to be our final walk of the trek. Three hours back to town. We could take the bus, but no. We will finish out this trek the way it was meant to be on foot. Anadorta, yeah. three hours left in this trek. How do you feel? That's kind of sad, but right now it's probably good too. It is hot. And we had a dance party over here at this gentleman's fine establishment. What's his name? Your name? Yimrum? Okay, yeah. Thank you for the dance party and the delicious dalbats. Yeah, that's very good. And we have our last walk, Samir. Samir will be running ahead to Aragat. Here we go. Well, the finish was going a very, very long day. In we probably hiked about 20, 23 miles, I think I figured out, something yeah, like that. That was the day when I got blistered, I think. That was the only time I was so sore. But that was also, we started like then we walked on concrete in the end. We had an option to take a bus. Samir actually did to get us either a place to stay in Aragat or to get transportation back because we we were keen on transportation but well, only because the first night we spent it's the same village where we spent the first night before yeah, we started trekking the, and that's where <laughs> the, we had the mouse carrying the poop and i was throwing up so we didn't yeah. really we didn't want to go back we there, weren't we really. weren't super keen on sleeping in that town again no yeah. so uh then we got to aragat and then we had jeep it uh, anyway and it was we we took it kind of late like six at night and it was already dark and we had the same <laughs> road back as we came, which was interesting. But we were kind of keen on coming back to Kathmandu. So uh, we drove um, and the driving is also always like an interesting thing in, in Nepal. We drove and drove. We had At really night along cliffs that if you look down, I mean... If the driver made one false move or fell asleep for a second. We were dead. Yeah, exactly. And the driver had drove from Kathmandu uh, earlier the day. So we had already. Yeah. So I was kind of like a little nervous about that. But we drove. We had like a nice meal along the way. And we drove. And then everyone around me, except me and the driver, fell asleep. Jason was falling asleep. Samir was falling asleep. Mingmar was sleeping like a baby. <laughs> And I was like sitting there so nervous that the driver would fall asleep. So I was starting to sing. I was, I remember I was singing the Norwegian Winnie the Pooh song for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> Let's hear it. But I know, but I did. Just sing a bar of it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I was trying everything. The driver didn't speak much English either, so I couldn't really have a conversation with him for, for too much. But I was re- I just wanted him to stay awake. And then, yeah, like the normal thing happened again. The f- one of the tires got flat. <laughs> and then we were pretty close to Kathmandu. We, we were on the highway. We, we got to change the, the tire and everything. And then we continued. And the driver worked cutting all the curves and it was kind of a curvy road and he was kind of always on the other side of the road and then all these trucks were coming all the time and I was like I was so I was like sitting there and like just bring me back to Kathmandu uh and I wish I had like that good sleeping heart that would just sleep the whole road the whole trip through but that's just not me so I was sitting there singing Winnie the Pooh in Norwegian and yeah but we survived. We we got to Kathmandu. It wasn't very fun, I would say. Uh, it was then I was kind of like, oh, we should have stayed and then drove the next day. But who knows? It's not fun to drive in the daylight either. Then it's more traffic and yeah. So when we said goodbye to Mingmar and Samir, it was about two or three in the morning. Yeah. That we got to Kathmandu, so it was. We were sad to go, but we were all super tired, so yeah, it wasn't yeah. a very dramatic goodbye. And we met them the day they came to our hotel the next day, and we got to thank them and and give them. Like, oh yeah, we wanted to give them their tips and yeah, everything. So we yeah, so we did. That's all really that. our was our goodbye to Mingmar. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, it was the day after uh, they came. And we just said our how nice of a time we had and how happy we were that we got them and they expressed some nice things to us. It was and a lot of namaste. Yeah. And both ways. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we were was, sad. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was sad because, yeah, it was, we had shared more than two weeks together and all these memories. And for us, like for them, like kind of what they normally do, but for us, and it was super special. And I think also like the four of us together was was a really good group so and that they expressed that too so it was sad because yeah we 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 kind of plan on meeting Ming no Samir again because he he li- lives there but we knew that Mingmar was going back uh, up to his village and back to his family uh so we knew that we wouldn't see him again and he still has like this special place in my heart <laughs> and then Anna Dorta and I went and got a fancy meal. <laughs> we went and got like pizza and oh, yeah. wine, I think, and that's true. Beer or whatever. We had a luxury meal because we'd been out on the trail. Yeah. It was nice. And we've been to a eating like dalbat for fifteen days, <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> so it was good to have something else. We're on the tourist bus to Pokhara. About eight bucks, seven-hour ride. We sat in traffic for a couple hours and. Just learned a valuable lesson. When you stop at the rest stop for lunch, get the buffet. Yes. Get the buffet because we almost missed our bus. We were the last ones back on and uh, we were shoveling food into our mouths frantically as we were trying to not miss our bus ride to Pokhara. You had a banana pancake, looked mighty dry. Okay, but we should never have ordered it. No, order. Luckily, I ordered like a toast, so I could grab that into the bus. <laughs> Ordering food at a rest stop equals bad idea. Not because the food was bad, but no. just took too long. So, 
Stick with the buffet. Yeah. All the way. Fried noodles, dal bot. Yeah, it was just that I didn't really want to have dal bot for breakfast. Mm, but <laughs> I know. That's okay. <laughs> These are the first world problems we talk yeah. about. What are our plans in Pokhara? I don't know. We don't know because we haven't really done any research, have we? No, I just heard it's a very nice place and relaxing and uh, we're going to stay at the lakeside. Uh, I think like we um, will have a relaxed day. Um, we will probably do like some hiking because you read about this like one day hike uh, in the area. We heard about some bad caves in the area too. I'm not a super fan of that, but um, yeah. Also, we need to sort out our visa yeah. situation. It's a twisty, windy road, but paved the whole way and really not too bad. Better than what we had to Arugat. That's for show. In Pokhara, we had to sort out our visas. This is another thing we researched but didn't really sort out until we arrived. And for Nepal, because of our passports, at least for the U.S. and Norwegian passports, we were able to get a visa upon arrival. And we had two choices. One was a 30-day visa that was much cheaper than the next version, which was... 60 days? 60 days. Lisa? It was 30, 60, and 90, I think. And we figured out we were staying 31 days. So we were torn because we didn't want to spend an extra $100 each or whatever it was to pay for 30 more days when we're only staying one day over. And this made us really nervous, but we went ahead and did the 30-day visa anyway, kind of figuring, well, if we're one day over, it might not be the end of the world and we had read that you could get an extension yeah, you could you could when you were there you could buy extra days so i i have read about that so i was the one that wanted to do it this way but then like after the trek we we were in pokram we started to be a little like oh maybe we shouldn't have done it but we went to the police station to extend our visa and then we were doing all like the paperwork. We got we we went like to get like extra photos and like copies that we had to pay for in this weird setup of a copy <laughs> shop. <laughs> and then we got to the police station and they were just looking at us laughing and just like, you don't need this. It's fine. So we're not it, recommending you get a visa no. and overstay it. But but it was one day for us. Yeah. And uh, it was okay. But yeah, get the papers you're supposed to have. But at least like we try to get uh, the extent of it and to fix it the right way. But then they just, yeah. So I guess like a, a, a one day over is okay. But if you're if it was 10, then we probably had to fix it. And then we wouldn't have done it this way either. <laughs> just to say that. Before you book any flight anywhere, take a look and at the visa situation because... Whatever country you're from, it's going to depend on that. And of course, depending on when your flight is and when you're leaving, you want to make sure you leave yourself enough time to get a visa. So if yeah. it's a situation like this where you can get a visa on arrival, it's no big deal. But it's good to know that. But some places you need to apply in advance yeah, and get a true. visa. And I think like just do it the way it's supposed to because you never know who you meet and they can make, they can like just turn the rules around and like 
be really hard on you. Um, uh, and that's one thing that I would like to say about the airport in Kathmandu when we were leaving, because I, I'm normally, at least when I'm flying in, uh, I'm flying shorter distance, I don't care about having like printing out my ticket. But sometimes I do like it. And this time we didn't really travel with like computers and stuff. So, and my phone isn't that smart. <laughs> and you never know if you have a Wi-Fi or whatever. So I had printed out my, my flight tickets, but Jason didn't. And they have, um, in Kathmandu, they controlled all the tickets before you were allowed to enter the airport. So I was fine, but they were just shaking their heads to Jason and said like, well, you don't have a ticket. Uh, you have to show a ticket. And it was really, it was kind of a bad thing because you didn't have you, your ticket printed out. And they were like, no, you, you will not be allowed in here without that. They were really strict about it. So I luckily I had my iPad and I found or t actually I didn't find Jason's ticket, but I found my own and I had my paper and I had the other ticket on my iPad and they said it was okay and they believed that that was Jason's ticket. But that's like something you should be aware of that just print out paper version of it. It's just so much easier to just have that piece of paper because they I've never experienced it before, but they were they were controlling everybody. And if you didn't have that that paper in the door, you didn't come into the airport. This small country, Nepal, has the highest concentration of UNESCO World Heritage Sites anywhere in the world. Sitting in the across from the pagoda, the main pagoda in Bhaktapur, Nepal, listening to the Hindu prayers to Shiva it's in the evening, dark, crisp weather. Kids are playing, vendors are selling their goods. These temples are like 700 years old, 600 years old. Some of them are older than that. After Pakra, we took the bus back to Kathmandu, and then we went to Bhaktapur and stayed there for some nights, which was very special. We lived in the UNESCO town, or, yeah, the UNESCO heritage town, site, yeah. yeah. And we were walking around there at night. Um, A lot of people come for day trips yeah. to check it out, and then they leave. So we got to stay overnight, and you could walk out into the square and hear <clears throat> groups of. Hindis and yogis or whatever they were chanting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of Buddhism and Hinduism in yeah. Bhaktapur. And they were chanting and singing and playing drums and you would hear this while you were eating nearby or if you would just stand in the square and watch these groups of people chanting and lighting candles and doing these ritualistic things for their religion, their beliefs. 
that would all happen at night when everybody was gone. So you, you kind of had it. In the day, it was a busy tourism place. It was tourists everywhere. You had it to yourself. Pictures, so. yeah. Anywhere you can stay overnight where it's normally a day trip thing. But if you have a chance to stay overnight, you get to see a whole new part of it. That's a general travel tip that I think is a good one. I've had great experiences staying overnight in places that are more considered just places to visit for the day. Because then you really get to see what the local culture and the local people are like there. Yeah. These are the sounds from a ceremony in a monastery in Boda, near Kathmandu. And then we went to Boda. That was where our guide lived. It's also outside of Kathmandu. It's a city part out it's of Kathmandu. Buddhist stupa, huge Buddhist. Yeah, but stupa. the city is called. Bada and, oh, yeah. the, and the big, but it, they have like the biggest stupa in Nepal, maybe even the world. World, I think. Yeah, it was huge. It was beautiful. That was special to to go there at night and do what, like, see how the locals were doing it. We were meeting up with Samir uh, and his family, and yeah, it was just a nice, also a nice thing to do instead of going having like. Another night in Kathmandu, we had like a night in that city part. Yeah, because the place where you gear up for the trek is, it's a lot of shops and a lot of tourists and it's a part of the city where you do that, but yeah, it's not- In Tamil and Kathmandu. Yeah, in Tamil, yeah, but it's not a part that has, it's got character in its own way, but you need to get out of that area to stay in some different parts in the city to experience more of Kathmandu. Yeah, we had a really peaceful walk with Samir around the stupa and then his wife and daughter came to meet us and then we all had dinner together on the rooftop and the sunset over uh, the stupa and it was a really nice experience yeah, it and it was great to be able to see Samir. Yeah, and that was cool when we had dinner with him at night because it was a local place yeah. that we never would have found. No. It was yeah. in some nondescript yeah. area. And get to meet his friends too and like get, they also spoke really good English. Mm -hmm. So to get m more voices from Nepal kind of. Very smart and reflected young guys. These sounds that you hear from monasteries are, they're really beautiful. And it's the monks in there praying. And what they do is they have these chants and these conch shells that they blow into that make a deep horn sound. And that with the praying and the chanting is a cacophony of voices swirling in the air and just filling the temple and spilling out of the temple into the street. So if you come to the door of the temple and peek in when this is going on, you're just flooded with these sounds. It's like a 
tornado of chanting and conch shells and it's really beautiful and you can hear these going on during the times that the monks are meditating or praying in these temples and these monasteries and it's uh, really beautiful How do you end a series like this? Just like leaving Nepal or leaving any country you've visited and fell in love with as a traveler, it can be tough to say goodbye. And first, I want to thank you, my friend. My wife and I both want to thank you sincerely for spending time to come along on this adventure to Nepal with us. You've been there every step of the way as together we've discovered just a slice of what this diverse and beautiful country has to offer. I want to say a special thanks to Emma Johnson for producing this series and taking my pile of audio, tying it all together and turning it into something special. Thank you, Emma. I also have to thank our guide, Samir, for his benevolence towards us. He is a generous and giving soul, always willing to give his time to share his knowledge and his passion for his homeland. If you land in Nepal and want to go trekking, we highly recommend getting in touch with Samir. His email address is smt.lama at gmail.com. That's smt.lama at gmail.com. Also want to thank our porter, Mingmar, whose strength and kind demeanor inspired and amazed us daily. And of course, the countless helpful Nepalese people we met along the way. We know now firsthand why they are famous the world over for their friendliness. Nepal had been calling me for many, many years, and I was thrilled to finally have the opportunity to answer that call. Our visit did not disappoint. The beauty of the Nepalese Himalayas lies not just in their appearance, but by the depth of qualities they possess within. They exude a quiet, immovable strength that can't help but inspire and lift your spirit to the top of the world, while at the same time commanding the ultimate respect. They invite us in with their grace and charm and send a mystical, warm energy down the wind-swept slopes and straight into the center of our hearts. They forever remain steadfast, strong, and positive in the face of adversity and change. Of course, much of the same can be said for those who live in harmony with these mountains, the Nepalese people who, despite earthquakes, uprising, and a multitude of other challenges, continue to maintain an undying strength and friendliness always reflected in the warm, infectious smiles you see everywhere you go, from the chaotic capital of Kathmandu to the sleepy high Himalayan villages, from green hilly countrysides to the small towns and everywhere in between. As travelers, it's easy to slap on the rose-tinted glasses and get blinded by the problems a country faces. After all, we're just passing through. But every country faces unique struggles, and as one of the poorest countries in the world, Nepal certainly has her share. But what makes the world perfect is its very imperfection. As travelers, let's remove those colored glasses. Let's try to ask important questions and understand the reality of where we are. Let's appreciate the entire experience. Let's strive to always leave a place somehow better than when we arrived, and when we return home, and the trip lives on only in our minds. Let's be smart about how we curate that experience through our memories. Let's not forget where we were, 
what we saw, who we met, and how we may be able to return the precious gifts given to us by a land and its people. And when adventure calls you, be sure to answer. Until then, I hope to see you out there somewhere in the world. Namaste. This audio adventure series has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to help make any of your travel dreams a reality. Join our global community of travel lovers at ZeroToTravel.com.